Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the MLS Soccer Show with Kale and Korean. I'm your co-host Tim Korean. With me as always, the Kale of Kale and Korean, Mike Calandrillo. Mike, how you doing today? I'm good. You know, teams could have played a little better. Orlando City, University of North Carolina, I, I could go on. But nevertheless, MLS is back, so it's a good thing. U.S. Men's National Team, we're in, so I'm feeling okay, Tim. Thank you. Absolutely. After a semi-international break where some teams played, we went over that ridiculous on episode 5. If you missed that, we had a full MLS slate of games once again this weekend. And uh, as Mike alluded to, there were some disappointing ones, some not-so-interesting uh, ones to watch. But we have three good ones to jump into, or well, maybe three not-so-good ones, one not-so-good one to jump into, but we're gonna, that makes it interesting as well. But let's start on our deep dives here today with the LA Galaxy 3, Portland Timbers 1. Mike, what'd you make of this game? Four goals, nine cards, two red, and Javier Hernandez is still a clinical finisher. Uh, his brace <laughs> fended off Portland in a rather feisty match, uh, snaps a two-game skid for the Galaxy, and all of a sudden, we have got a Derby de Galazzo this weekend with LAFC and Carlos Vela. It is going to be fantastic. I can't wait to watch it. Um, and in all fairness to Chicharito, he should have had four goals on the match. He he mm -hmm. looked he looked stunning, and I think maybe it was a little bit of hey uh, Mexico, look at me, I should be on your team because uh, for whatever reason he's not being selected, and this is uh, El Tri's all time top goal scorer. Uh, he hasn't been capped since 2019. We know he did fall out of favor um, with the Mexican national team. He he didn't play great the past uh, last couple of years in Europe, uh, and Mexico. They struggled. Um, you know, obviously they've qualified. They're going to be going to Qatar for the World Cup. But this guy is still proving that at 33, he is a legit gold scorer, whether or not you want to say, well, it's because he's in MLS. No, he's a legit goal yeah. scorer. And he is still eligible for selection. So Tata Martino, what you doing, man? I think it's time to call Chicharito up because uh, he still looks a real deal. He's now got four goals on the season, just one behind the current leader, Brandon Vasquez, who suddenly has gone ice cold. Anyway, Chicharito scored 17 goals last year, despite Galaxy missing out on the playoffs. Uh, left him just too short of your boy, Tati Castellanos, for the golden boot. So why is he not there? Well, I mean, look, we got the full Chicharito experience, you know, this week and the last couple of games. When he's on and engaged, I mean, there's not many better strikers in the entire world. I mean, throughout Europe, wherever you want to say... He's amazing. I mean, in this game, he wasn't only scoring goals. He wasn't even running hard towards the net. He was floating out wide and setting up chances. So that's the good That's the good of Chicharito. Now, if that ninth-minute goal didn't go in, would we have got the pouting, arm-waving, yelling at teammates Chicharito? I think there's a good chance because that's, that's the other side of Chicharito. And on a game-to-game -game basis, you never know what's going to show up. Now, all that said, he should absolutely be on Mexico. Mexico needs a goal scorer like him. And, you know, even if you get one out of the first three games in the group stage of the arm-waving Chicharito, if you get locked in Chicharito for two of those games, you're making it out of the group stage. So Absolutely. Mexico needs firepower, and he needs to be on the team. Good Chicharito, bad Chicharito. As long as the good one shows up more often than the bad one, both El Tri and uh, the Galaxy will be better off for it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of old guys on the team that are 33, 35. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so let's not get caught up on that, um, Tata Martino. But uh, I'm going to give you my, my weekly Kevin Cabral <laughs> update. He's still pretty bad. Uh, his diving header generated a save in the 24th minute. That was about it. 
uh, he still is super late on runs uh, when Chicharito passes him the ball. So my advice to Chicharito is stop passing Kevin Cabral the ball. Nice. Uh, Raheem Edwards, also a really bright spot for, for the LA Galaxy. He slalom past the Timbers defense to pick up yet another assist in the 59 minute. He does lead the league in that stat. Um, and again, we didn't see Douglas Costa. We didn't get a, a ton from Efren Alvarez. And yet this team put it to Portland. So I'm impressed. And, and they're right up there for me. Yeah, Raheem Edwards needs to be shouted out double here because he is just one of the most underrated players in MLS. He's consistently the best player on the Galaxy, a team that has Douglas Costa, that has Chicharito. Uh, and, and every game, game in and game out, he is dangerous, he is fast, he pushes the pace, he takes it to the other team's defense, spreading them out, creating room for those other two. So uh, Raheem Edwards needs to be uh, recognized. And you said F- Efren Alvarez didn't do much. Again, he's 19, he looked dangerous at times, he had a nice chance. Let's you know. I think Efren Alvarez played well, and again, when you have veterans on the squad who are going to give you the majority of kind of your offense game to game, getting a guy run like that just over and over and over again is only going to pay dividends in the long, long run. But even in the long run, as the season goes along, and you know, LA Galaxy should fully make the playoffs this season, and. To have a, a guy in Efren Alvarez who's played all year, who's played in big spots, who scored big goals, uh, hit some big posts, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, that, that it's only going to be good for the team in the long run. So that's the other no, thing. Uh, right. Real yeah, quick. I, I'm just angry with Alvarez because I think he was so amazing in that one week early to start the season. And, and for yeah. me, I just haven't seen those flashes yet. But, yeah, I'll cut the kids some slack for now. Yeah, fl- flashes is the right word. I mean, you haven't seen it on a consistent basis. There's been yeah. small flashes, but, yeah, yeah. Again, but it, it's it, this is a long play for LA Galaxy, and, and keeping him in is, is good. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a ton to talk about on the Portland side. Uh, they they weren't good. They they need to be more aggressive on offense. They have so much speed up front, and they have a great uh, free kick uh, free kick taker in uh, Tuiloma who scored yeah. the goal there. I don't understand why they're not putting a ton of pressure on the defense of that speed, trying to draw draw fouls outside the box for Tuiloma to take shots from long. They whoever they end up playing. And you saw this happen against Austin and some other games this year. They let the other team dictate this, the pace and the style of play way too much. Yeah. They should be playing, you know, 90 miles an hour with their hair on fire every single minute. And yes, their defense might not be able to stand up to that all the time on the counterattack, but they should be able to generate enough offense if they're playing that fast and that aggressive up front. Uh, that, that won't matter as much. But they just they just let the other team do what they want, and and a lot of the times it comes back to bite them. Yeah, losing, and I think a lot of that goes to losing Diego Valeri, who really was their heart and soul for uh, so many years. I mean, he really was everything for that team. Um, and him, you know, going back to, I believe it's Uruguay, if I'm not mistaken, um, and playing back there his, his final couple of years, he says, just kind of taking them out of stride and, and it, they've lost a lot of their identity. And, you know, it's, it's not an excuse as a professional team, but there is something lacking. And I think that that full drive and that, that you know, playing with your, your hair on fire um, was, was really catapulted by Larry's ability. So, yeah, they need to find that guy, um, whether it's Jimmy Chara or uh, anyone else, really. Um, they, they've got to start picking up more points. Otherwise, they're going to fall back in this, uh, this Western Conference race. 
Yeah, and, and, and you put the, the perfect word to it. You know, I, I talked about letting the other team dictate, but identity. Identity yeah. is, is what they really need to find, and they haven't found it yet. Yeah. Uh, another team that, that has completely lost its identity uh, <laughs> in the past uh, six months or no, however it's long it's been. It's in CONCACAF. It's stuck in CONCACAF. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, Don't worry yeah. about the league. The, the, okay. the Champions League is not mm-hmm. uh, is not doing well for, for NYCFC's MLS chances. They lost to Toronto. These Canadian teams are just, you know, given NYCFC fits. Toronto yeah. to NYCFC one, Mike. Let me just start by saying uh, things, are, <laughs> things are bad right now here in the Bronx. Uh, the panic meter is out. I took it out last week, if you remember correctly. Um, it's now at like a seven or eight. It's, it's really, really popped up there. This loss is inexcusable, but now I'm going to make some excuses. Okay. Uh, for the second game in a row, a ref took away a penalty early in the game from an OACFC. He tripped him. He tripped the guy and, and he went down yet. It was an accident. Their feet got tangled. Sure. But he was on a break and and he took his legs out. That's a penalty. How you Mm -hmm. can go to the replay and, you know, take what's in the defender's mind and be like, oh, he didn't mean to. It was an accident. Let him go. Do that. If NYCFC scores that goal in the ninth minute to go up one nothing, it's a completely different game. Completely. So, you know, let's start with that. It's some bad luck uh, on that front. But I'll talk more about NYCFC in a minute. I don't want to I don't want to get on too much of a tangent before no. I let you talk about Alex Bono, the uh, the keeper for Toronto, because he was the man of the match. He was the star of the game. So go ahead and uh, and give him his props. Was that Alex Bono or was that a young Tim Howard in net for uh, Toronto? Because, I mean, he had a me. career, Yeah, I mean, amazing. Career high, seven saves. He was everywhere. Um, and this was a guy a couple of years ago was talked about maybe the U.S. men's national team one day. Obviously, it has not come to fruition and has not played really that well this year. But this was an outstanding game. And perhaps it'll, you know, catapult this team into better performances. But, yes, like you said, this post-MLS Cup championship malaise continues um nycfc is only four teams in the league that have scored fewer goals than them they've only got five and that goes directly to your boy tati castellanos who i believe i was ridiculed when i said they should have sold him before the season started because what did they want like something 15 million and river plate was interested you should have did it because now his value i guarantee has probably gone in the single millions and not anywhere near uh the 15th but hey you did get a 90th plus goal from herber uh, stoppage time. So, I mean, that's something to hang your hat on. Building for next you know? week. Maybe Building for, for next week. week. It was an ugly performance. But the one thing I will say, uh, as far as Toronto, who we've bashed all season, and rightfully so, because they've been pretty miserable, uh, this, the, the game was really highlighted by uh, Jesus Jimenez. Uh, this He scored in the 34th minute. Uh, Jimenez, not many people talk about, don't really probably even know about outside of Toronto, but he came to uh, Toronto last year, very little fanfare, arrived from Gornik Zabraza, I believe that's how you pronounce it, that my Polish is off, but that is a a Polish top division team, Uh, he came last February on a two and a half year deal with an additional club option for another year, and this guy Jimenez has played 443 minutes out of a possible 450, scoring three goals and assisting on one more, Uh, those four goal contributions represent more than half of the seven goals that TFC have scored this season. So they feel your pain, NYFC, uh, as well up there in Toronto. Uh, really, Jimenez, he's shown that he has the attributes to be a complete forward, uh, and he really looks the part. Uh, he's he's one of the most consistent, if not the only consistent player so far for a Toronto team that is clearly waiting for Lorenzo Insigne to finish in Serie A with Napoli. Yeah. Um 
luckily he's going to get paid a lot of money in Signe because uh, that's going to be pretty depressing when he leaves, you know, a Napoli, a team that is fighting for the Serie A uh, to come to a team in Toronto that is fighting for the bottom of the MLS Eastern Conference. Fighting to be the second best team in Canada. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. That's enough about uh, Toronto. Back to NYCFC. I mean, listen, I said it two weeks ago and I'm going to say it again. The only reason the panic meter is not at a 10 right now is because NYCFC is losing on poor individual performances. It's not a it's not a team-wide thing, it's not a schematic thing. You know, as good as Bono was, uh NYCFC, they they could have made the extra pass, they could have created better chances. Castellanos is really pressing to get get goals here. He's he's has blinders on. He's just looking uh, at him in the goalie when he's when he's running on there, he's not seeing guys breaking uh, to his side where a little layoff pass could could uh, result in the goal. So they need to get that together a little bit. And you know the goals for Toronto, the first goal was just awful, awful defending from the center back pairing of Alexander Callens and Thiago Martins. Uh, and the second goal was just bad mark- man marking on a set piece, which again they've had trouble on set pieces throughout the season. So. You know, maybe again, there's the penalty, there's the the poor individual performances in moments. So yes, this is somewhat of a fan just talking him into the fact that the team isn't as bad as it is, but they're the defending champions. So they should be better than this. They should be better than five goals uh in their in their in the early season here. And so you just have to hope that as an NYCFC fan that they, they the the individual performances start to click. They're down to the final four in uh, in Concacaf Champions League, which uh, they're taking on Sounders. And then there's what there's two uh, two Mexican teams Mex- on the other Mexican side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. So they'll play the Sounders if they beat them, which they've been playing great in Concacaf Champions League. So maybe uh, they will, and then they'll have another uh, another match against the Mexican side. And then uh, it'll be all about focusing on the ML. Well, then you know what Supporter Shield starts after that and things, or, yeah. or uh, the U.S. Cup, the Lamar Hunt Cup, whatever. So it many is. cups. Yeah, so many cups. Uh, yeah. But if they, if they, you know, once they're done done with the Champions League, uh, let's see if they if the things click and they start to uh, to earn some points again. Because if not, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe they're going to go for the treble this year. They're going to win Concacaf. They're going to win the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open, and somehow they're going to find a way to get into the MLS playoffs because anything can happen in the MLS playoffs, just like it did last year when they really were not predicted to to win the the cup as they did so yeah it's early i feel for you as a as a nyc fc your supporter things aren't going much better for me i was gonna say you're you're not you're struggling yourself so we can have a pity party uh we'll have a pity party for you in a few minutes exactly so but let's get on to the uh the other team here in florida let's talk about them because that'll make me feel a little bit better about myself yeah yeah, right. that's uh, we're not you know listen we bash Inter Miami every week in our uh, in our Tomas Calientes and our hot takes. I wanted to take one segment to go a little deep on what's going on there, and then uh, unless they pull off a shocking upset victory at some point, uh, we will probably never talk about them uh, for more than two seconds the rest of the season. But they lost to a, a pretty poor Houston Dynamo side three to one this weekend. What do you think about that game? Yeah, I was shocked when you put this on the rundown, but I'm glad you did. Anyway, uh, hapless is the word, Miami, hapless. But yet, optimism is the other word over on the other side of the pitch for Houston. They snapped a road skid dating back to September 2020. That was over 26 road games ago. That's a long time to be bad. But maybe they're turning things around. Fafa Pico nabbed the brace. Uh, But again, it was Darwin Quintero, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, starting to get hot, has stayed hot, and is looking sharp. And as long as he's healthy, 
you got to give it to them. So, um, yeah, Miami is doing things that Inter-Miami can't do, and that's win some games. I love talking about Inter-Miami being bad. Five games into the season, and Phil Neville's side, not Gary, Phil Neville's side is the East's only team without a single victory. Whoa, Miami has scored just three goals in those five matches, two of which are Gonzalo Higuain penalties, and they've been outscored 13 to 3. So not only are they bad on the offensive side, they're also equally as bad on the defensive side. Goodness gracious, they are a dumpster fire of the worst kind. They are. And let, let, I just want to get this on the record. The Houston is not a good team. No. Uh, they're not good either. So let's put that out there. But I mean, Houston got outshot 22 to 11 in this game. I think it was 56 to 43% possession uh, for Miami. And so you know, Houston Houston didn't do anything particularly impressive. They actually played like they usually play and got kind of dominated. But the, Miami has so many big, massive letdowns on defense, so many just horrible finishing chances, shooting it over the crossbar, missing wide on open shots, that Houston was able to capitalize by just not completely messing up as bad as Miami did. Yeah, I know. I agree. And and I saw a lot of people on social blaming the rain. Well, you play in Florida and yeah. we're getting into the rainy season. So there's going to be a lot more losses if that's the case, guys. But yeah. Tim, this is just a really confused organization. Um, and I don't know. I'm going to tell you why. Because Higuain, he's their first DP. He has a club option at the end of the year that obviously is not going to be picked up. Because if it is, then he has um, incriminating photos of David Pictures. Beckham. That's the only yeah. way that this is going to work. Yeah. Um, here's the situation why I say they're even more confused than most people probably don't even realize. Miami currently have two other players occupying their designated player spots. But here's the kicker. They're not on the roster. Okay? So you get three. At one time, they had five. So that was a big problem. They were fined many millions of dollars. Their, uh, their, I believe it was their GM or president was was basically shunned out of the MLS. So now you've got one DP spot uh, being occupied by Higuain, who shouldn't be even probably be in the league anymore. And then the other one is Mexican international midfield Rodolfo Pizarro, who was supposed to be really, really good. But they sent him back on loan to Liga Emeki's, uh CF Monterrey. And he's still – here's the kicker, though. He's still technically occupying a DP slot because Miami decided not to receive any sort of loan fee as part of the deal. What? Makes no sense. Like, give me a dollar. Give me a peso. Give me something so that I can go get another DP. No, no, we're good. But it gets a little bit worse because the third DP was former French World Cup winning midfielder Blaise Matuidi. For some reason, the club bought him out prior to the season. But he's transitioned into an ambassador role. So he's not playing. He's still considered a DP, meaning he's still getting paid but we don't want him on the pitch. So are you tanking for the first overall pick? Because that's the only thing at this point I can kind of understand. But wow, what a colossal mess that this organization has run into. It's it's really embarrassing. It's got to be embarrassing for David Beckham, who put MLS on the map. I mean, he really, really did that. And it's got to be super embarrassing for the other Neville brother because he left the English women's national team, which was a really, really good team to come over here and try to put his mark on the MLS, and it has been just one one mess up after the next. Yeah, and the last guy you mentioned, Blaise Matuidi, is the perfect example of the club's confusion, as you call it. Uh, I mean, he's a big name, but he's 34, he's 33 when he came over, he's completely washed. Uh, 
And the club broke rules to sign him. That's, I mean, yeah. that's where the, the, the man, general manager got kicked out. The club lost $2 million in allocation money. And, you know, this isn't England. And Beckham and Neville and the, the brain trust over at Miami need to understand that because there's a certain way to succeed in MLS that's different than England or than any other league in the world with, with the personnel moves, with the way you use your DP slots, with the allocation money, with the, with the 22 and under slots. I mean, there's, it's, a, it's just a different kind of way to go about team building that is, is not the same as kind of what the majority of Europe is that I'm sure uh, that Beckham and Neville specifically are familiar with. So they need to figure that out. And really, I mean, I don't see many bright spots, like you said, in the future for this team. I don't know. I don't know what they do next. I mean, there's one thing to do, and that's bring Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United because he would be so happy on this team. I mean, he would touch the ball 92% of the time. He would never pass it, and he would just be on the worst team in MLS. But his kit sales would be outstanding. But in all seriousness, and that might still happen, I don't know. because that I might, I might try to cop one of those uh, pink Ronaldo yeah. jerseys. That'd be pretty I cool. Mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. I would definitely go see them play here in Orlando. I wouldn't <laughs> air drive to South Florida, but I would see them play just for Ronaldo. But yeah. on, I will give them one kudo. It's uh, Romeo Beckham, the, the son, the 19-year-old son of David Beckham, who was at one time an Arsenal Academy uh, player. I, I, again, I don't know if that's just a thing because, hey, he's my son. Put him in your academy or, you know, if he was really worth it. But he is playing uh, for Miami's second club. He did bag a trio of assists. I mean, that's pretty good. That's, that's, yeah. that's three assists. Uh, Inter-Miami CF Doe, or two as we call it here in America, uh, fought back against Philadelphia Union Doe to snatch a 3-3 draw from the draw from the jaw of defeat so tongue twister uh but he look he's actually featured a couple times for inner miami's reserve team in the mls next pro league which launched this year which so that's pretty cool so you know what if you can't get ronaldo you bring in a beckham that's great beckham why don't they bring in two then they can get brooklyn beckham to be the team chef i know he's he's a really successful celebrity chef nowadays so uh let's do that but no i mean yeah i mean when a when a Beckham offspring is the club's best hope right now to get better, uh, it's it's not a good situation at all. And is he? He's a model too. Like I've seen a lot of things on social. Like he's he's a footballing model, kind of like your boy, Mister Jack Grealish. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Ouch! Yeah, yeah. yeah Jack Grealish right? is also looking to start an MMA career after uh, yesterday. So we'll, yesterday, uh, hey, I give him credit, and we're going off tangent, but I give him credit for not fighting back when they were yeah. going at him and they were kicking those giant calves. Yeah, well, the only the only uh, person scarier than the uh, Atletico Madrid guys is Pep Guardiola when he's mad. So uh, he got uh, Grealish got out of there quick. But uh, speaking of Spanish here, uh, let's uh, go into our Tomas Calientes. Tomas Calientes. Our hot takes about the other games on the schedule. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Ole, 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 ole. The first one up, uh, and you know, we talked about some boring games this week as MLS got back into the flow after the international break. Mike, did you stay awake during the 0-0 draw between the Chicago Fire and the uh, FC Dallas side? Nope, but I did catch the condensed game of highlights, so that worked just as well. Yet, we talked about it, no Paul Ariola unavailable because he's recovering from a heinous three games in international duty. And Jesus Ferreira, who actually I was surprised was even dressed, he came in in the 63rd minute as a sub. He's 
just too good for Dallas to not have on the pitch, obviously. Um, they were just lacking. They, they, there was no cutting edge in the, the two games before, uh, like like before the international break. Um, and they were just uh, just kind of limping along. And obviously, those two guys, Ariel and Ferreira, are just really, really important. So, yeah, it was a scoreless draw against Chicago. However, if I'm Dallas, I'm very encouraged because this is a good fire team. It's not the Chicago fire of years, years past. And it tells you how much of a corner that this club has really turned. So, my hot take is that, quite simply, Dallas FC is a very good team on the rise I, and I did not think I would say that anytime soon as for Chicago this is their third scoreless draw of the season and that has got to be concerning because they need more from their attackers it's not really a hot take it's just an observation my hot take 17 year old cold goalkeeper Gabriel Slonina who we continue to talk about he is the star on the rise his save percentage is now 91.7 the best mark in the MLS and here's another hot take he will soon be in top demand for teams all across the globe. He will. He very will. I'll get to him in a second. Uh, just not a good look for Chicago. Uh, when you're playing a depleted Dallas side like that, you have to score a goal, take a point, get more than one shot on net. Let's start with that. Uh, and for Gaga, you know, he only made one save. But reverting to Keeper FC, which is, uh, you know, our sub podcast here. You know, that's the mark of a top keeper is when you sit in the, you sit doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs for, you know, 89 minutes of the match. The one time the ball comes at you, you have to make the save. And, uh, and Gaga did that. So, uh, good for him. Another clean sheet. You know, it's, uh, when you look, when you tally the clean sheets at the end of the season, no one's going to look back and say, oh, he only saved one here. It's just going to be another clean sheet. So, uh, Again, uh, I don't think he's overtaken Walker Zimmerman yet as the uh, the official uh, man crush of this podcast, but uh, Gaga Slonina is quickly getting there. Yeah, uh, another another team that's quickly uh, rising up the the fun time power rankings uh, for the MLS Soccer Show. Stinkinati FC Cincinnati three Montreal four. What'd you think about this goal fest? Guess who's back? Stinking Addy's back. Wow, wow, wow. Three goals is nice, which shows they can indeed be dangerous in attack. But giving up four goals to Montreal, one day we're going to Google CF. We're going to figure out what it means. Prove that Stinking Addy stink in the back. Yeah. So bad. You know what? I'm not even going to talk about them anymore because that they just they just bother me so much, so much. Georgie Mihalovic, his first half brace was so impressive. And if you guys have not seen it, go on all of the social media platforms because it was it was awesome. Um, he arrived in Montreal last year from Chicago. Why they gave up on this kid who was only 22 at the time? I have no idea. 23 now, by the way. Um, he grew up in the academy. He, he's so good. He's gone from an intriguing prospect to one of the best players in the league, and that's hard to do on a Montreal team that's not not very good either. Uh, there's been talk already that he's going to get another U.S. men's national team cap at some time in these uh, friendlies that we've got, obviously, before the World Cup. Um, he's, an, he's a central attacking midfielder, which is actually something that perhaps the U.S. men's national team will need in the future, you know, looking outside of the 2022 World Cup. Um, he was included on the 23-man roster for the 2019 CONCACAF Gold Cup, made two appearances during the group stage. So this kid is awesome. It's a really, really bright spot for Montreal. Um, so I will I will give them very many, very many kudos for looking ahead and acquiring a guy like Mahalovic from, um, from Chicago. Uh, so not really a hot take, but he's awesome, and he's on the way up. And Stinking Addy, you are just – you're so up and down. I, I don't even want to talk about you anymore. Yeah, well, listen, that's my hot take. Is these are two of the most exciting teams in MLS. Not not good exciting, but they're exciting. You don't want to miss these games. 
Cincinnati has won a couple games. They lost at that in that 99th minute, uh, you know, down 10 men, DC United team in the opening week. Mm-hmm. Montreal has been up in first halves and had absolute collapses in the second half. This goal had this game had seven goals in it. Uh, listen, you're not gonna you're not gonna see a lot of greatness from these teams. But when you tune into a Cincinnati match or a Montreal match, you're not going to fall asleep like you will uh, during a Chicago Fire match or like an aforementioned DC United match. So watch these teams because they are fun and they score goals. Yeah. One team that barely scores goals but is much better than these teams is Nashville SC, who beat Columbus Crew one nothing on the weekend. Mike, clearly Nashville hot take, hot take just needs to pitch shutouts to win. It's that no simple. goals ever. Um, that's it. I mean, Alex Mule's 28th minute goal gave, gave Nashville its first ever win against Columbus and ended a three-match winless stretch that encompassed the entirety of March. March has not been friendly to them, but luckily it's over. Um, only once since Nashville began playing in 2020 has the team ever maintained less possession in a match than it did against the crew, 33.8%. Wow, they're lucky they won. Um we were right to really expect great things from the hot chickens defense. The, your boy Walker Zimmerman, he's doing the, he's doing the deal. It's so important for the U S men's national team, but no team in MLS averages my favorite stat more XG per game than Columbus. That's 2.3 expected goals per game, but they were held scoreless for the first time this season. Why no Lucas Zellerayan and Giassi Zardes. My man, you have lost your boots because you do not know how to step up and kick them goals anymore. And that spells big trouble for the Columbus crew, which is really a team that traditionally makes the playoffs. Yeah, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago when we said Columbus and the Red Bulls are similar teams where they really rely on one guy way too much. And it's not just on Zardes. He, he needs to score. He's a striker. That's his job. But it's on Darlington Nagby. It's on Derek Etienne. It's on Yaya Boa, who came on late and didn't really do much they need other people to step up and, and contribute offense to this team. And they just don't get it. And also Walker Zimmerman didn't start for Nashville. He did come in in the second half. Uh, and the, the team still played great defensive football. So if they can figure out how to generate one, maybe two goals, you know, here and there, then they're, they're still going to be good because it's not just Walker Zimmerman leading that, that impressive defense. Obviously he's a huge part of it and long-term it would be a problem, but that system is so good defensively that uh, they can withstand not having them for a half and still pitch a shutout against a good team. Uh, when, speak- when, Tim, when, Tim, when's your birthday? Uh, June, June 12th. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm going to appeal to Walker Zimmerman because Tim here is your biggest fan That's possibly right. in the world, maybe except for your mom. Um, but I need, I would like Walker Zimmerman to please send my man Tim Crean a, a, a happy birthday in June because he is your he is your biggest fan. The man, just, he goes all out for you. And I wish Absolutely. Tim, I wish I had somebody in my life that boosted me the way that <laughs> Tim boosts you, Walker Zimmerman. So I'm just going to say that. But we'll see. We're going to try to make that happen on Twitter. So um, let's see what we can do. Let, I like it. We have a few months to work on it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it happen. If it happens, then you know what, Walker Zimmerman? We're going to get Tim a jersey, and he's going to wear it on this show. I'm just Absolutely. Say that. Okay, let's move on to the uh, the another game, one nothing. New England Revolution, the other New York team, the good one, the, the good one, the New York Red Bulls who kind of play in New Jersey. Um, look, I, I had the Red Bulls up in my power rankings a couple weeks ago. They may make a, a, a some kind of a showing today. We'll talk about it a little later. But they snuck into the playoffs last year. They're off to an encouraging start. They got 10 points. They're second in the East. How? I have no idea. I really don't. But it, 
Again, it took a 90th minute own goal to beat the Revolution 1-0 on Saturday. But they're going to take it because unlike New England, they showed some fight. And here's my hot take. I really do believe this. I don't know why. Also, I don't because it's not really great football. But they're going to advance deep into the playoffs if they can begin playing with a lead earlier in the game because this is a squad that grows in confidence the more that they have the ball and the more pressure that they can put on. Yeah, and I'm I'm not ready to to give up on New England just yet. Uh, they have not played well lately. They've had some really big letdowns, this one included. But uh, it, it's Bruce Arians. There's there's experience on that team with Jill and, and other guys. Like let's let's just think. Let's you know pump the brakes before we totally bury New England and uh, and, and see what they do here. Uh, I mean, do you, do you have thoughts on New England at yeah, all? Yeah. Well, two two things. First of all, you said Bruce Arians, so your head is Bruce in Arians. The oh God, yes. <laughs> The other we do this. It's once yes. a week. We're gonna keep a tally board because I started with George Weah. Yeah. Uh, I started with it was I think I said Gary Neville last week. So yeah. now it's on you. It's Bruce Arians. Bruce, you and Tom, Tom Brady gotta have a heart to heart. Anyway, yeah. that's for another time and place on sportscasting.com. Um as for the Reds, yeah. They look, they set the MLS single season points record last year, but obviously that does not assure anything the next season because they are too a dumpster fire not of inner miami's type but they're they're there because they should be so much better they've got the reigning mvp in, in carlos heel they've got an old man back line as well so that's probably your problem you brought in josie altador it's it's not working there's so many bad things going on um it's their fourth straight loss third in mls um that's four straight in all competitions they're sitting just three points above inter miami and who's dead last in the East. Tim, here's my question. Here's my hot take. And I think I'm right. Are they even more disappointing than Beckham's bunch? Well, it depends on how you define disappointing. Uh, you know, bad. yeah, they're, they're not, they're not as bad as Beckham's bunch. Let's start with that. Disappointing. Yes. Because you know, they, they come with higher expectations uh, than enter Miami. So disappointing. Yes. As bad. No, but uh, let's move on to the next game. Uh, DC United zero Atlanta United one. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on this uh, squeak squeak by Atlanta squeaking by DC? What these one nothing games got to stop? Uh, Atlanta have the ugliest ten points earned in an MLS history. That's my hot take. It, it's so ugly. They they beat Montreal at the at the buzzer. I mean, it's just look for a club in third place. They do not instill any confidence uh, in me or or in anybody. Maybe their supporters do, and that's fine. But it took until the fourth minute of stoppage time again to break the deadlock. Uh, Marcelino Moreno's goal off a corner. They're really good on corners, I guess. We can give them that. Um, got them the one nothing win. Uh, and since starting the season with a pair of wins, DC on the other side has dropped three straight following this one nothing loss. And I believe that DC uh, is a team that's going to miss the playoffs. I mean, I, again, it's not really like a hot take because it really just seems like that's a thing right now. They're just, they, they don't have much of anything. And since Wayne Rooney left this club a couple of years ago, they've just been trending the wrong way. And, and even not getting Carlos Tevez like they were linked to yeah. uh, before the season has obviously hurt them in, in a number of ways. And again, he's 38 and playing in Boca Juniors. Um, who knows you know what he could have brought, but at least he would have brought some kind of excitement because this is a dull team. Yeah, and I, that's, I, I don't even know how much of a hot take it is. I'm with you. DC's going to miss the playoffs. Now, what i got to say about Atlanta is, yes, the 10 points are not the prettiest 10 points in the world. But, you know, are, are we being hypocrites because we say this all the time, is that dropping points early in the season is so uh, so bad for these good teams because it, it all adds up in the end, and that's, you know, what makes or breaks the difference between the playoffs. Don't we have to give Atlanta credit for 
for compiling all these points early in the season. I mean, if they do hit a lull later, if some of their older guys go out, their experienced veterans, you can call them, go out later in the season, maybe this will hold them over and make them a playoff team. But they're in third right now. You, you can't. You got to give them some credit for that. Yeah, I, you do. I just, I guess, I look at them from the team from a couple of years ago when Martinez was the right. top goal scorer, and you know they had, uh, you know, a lot of Argentinian flair. And yeah, it's definitely not the same team. And again, that was a Tata Martino coach team, and things have definitely changed. I just expect more from them because they came out of the shoot so so good. But yeah, I'll pump the brakes a little bit. But the Dom Dwyer thing, um, it's the, some of these acquisitions just haven't worked. Hey, third place is third place. So that's uh, that's where they are now. You can't argue with that. All right, Mike, you know what? I am going to cede all my Tomas Caliente's time to you here, wind you up, let you go on LAFC 4, Orlando City 2. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, LAFC, the best team in, in the league. I, I picked them to win everything. I, I stand by that. And I was supposed to go to this game, and I'm so glad I did not. One, because North Carolina was playing Duke that night, which was the the game of the college basketball game of the year. And two, because it was a downpour for 90 minutes. It did not stop. So, so glad I was not there. But hot take, there may be one or two teams, and I originally thought maybe just the West, but I'm thinking maybe the entire league that actually can take LAFC uh take the cup away from them i really think they are that good and i think that this week's game against the galaxy is going to prove just how good they are steve turandolo obviously his first year as lafc coach is doing an just a really really bang up job because they were not this good last year at all with bob bradley uh, at the helm so give it up for them um they're just a dominant attacking team, and they didn't get a ton, really much of anything from Carlos Vela or Chincho Arango this week, and yet they still won 4-2, and it showcased just how deep they are. <sighs> Moving over to the other side of things that are currently looking super bleak, so bleak. Purple rain is raining all over my team. They conceded four goals at home for just the fourth time since 2015. It's a long time. Um, I, what I will say is Alexander Pato looks really, really good. Uh, scored again. Could have had another one that was ruled offside. Might have changed the entire complexion of the game. VAR refs suck. Xiao Matinho, he actually had a goal. He He's turning into more of an offensive threat than a defensive threat, which is never a good thing when you are a left back, uh, depending on you know where what league you play in and how good your skill set is. But they did have first half goals. The main storyline and the storyline that breaks my heart and most of everybody here that is an Orlando City supporter is losing my MLS All-Star team pick Antonio Carlos to a torn hamstring. Four to six months it looks like he's going to be out. And this guy was so important. Brazilian, the rock at the back. I talked about it numerous podcasts. Him and Robin Janssen were the two best center backs, in my opinion, in the league. And I'm not going to say that he was pushed but if you look at the highlight, a young man uh, with, they believe, the number 17 for the black and gold pushed him in the back. And yes, it was wet and it was raining. And I'm not making excuses like Inner Miami, but he did slip. And you could see his leg go out from under him. Yeah. And in that rain, it rained all 90 minutes. It can cause injuries. And that's where that leg went. And because of that, he's going to miss most of the year. And it's devastating because his replacement, hot take, Rodrigo Schlegel is nowhere near as anywhere close as dependable as as my man Antonio Carlos was. So it's not looking good for Orlando. It's not looking good at all. I don't feel good about the chances right now. Hopefully they can, you know, they'll start scoring more. And two was good. It, you know, it just wasn't four. Um, they can do enough to get uh, to get the team right to ship and and overcome this, this huge loss and somehow find the playoffs. But as of today, where we stand, only a handful of games into the season, I am very, very sad. All right. So that, and yeah, Antonio Carlos has a tough loss, but uh I'll let you uh, stew on that for a second while I introduce the next game, 
which is uh, another team that you've been high on from the beginning, Mike. I'll give it to you. Philadelphia Union 2, Charlotte FC 0. Um, I, of course, said that uh, Curtin should be the national team coach. We'll see uh, if that's if that's right. But uh, tell me what you think about your union beating Charlotte FC 2 nothing. Yeah, start with Philly. I mean, this this is the East top team for a reason. I mean, they just take care of business. It's third straight 2 nothing win. Uh, they scored early in both halves. Daniel Gazdag, he, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. He yeah. looks really, really good. He pounced on a Charlotte backline error. Hey, Charlotte, stop making errors because it's going to come back to cost you. Um, partially caused by Julian Carranza for uh, an easy, methodical finish. And, and look, like you said, I feel great about my pick in the East. Um, they've even kind of exceeded my expectations, allowing only two goals in five matches. And I know a lot of that has to do with Andre Blake, who, again, I'm still surprised he's still at the MLS level. I would have just thought by now he'd be somewhere in England. Hey, Everton, you need a goalkeeper. Um, but it is hot take. Philly versus LAFC for the cup. Mark it down. I mean, that that's where I'm going um, flat out right now if I had to pick today. I like it. That's a good pick. Uh, next, uh, interesting game. San Jose Earthquake 2, Austin FC 2. What were your takeaways from this game? Look, Austin FC, if you really want to be taken seriously, you can't draw against a terrible team like San Jose who has two points in five games. And that's that's a hot take, but it's a real take. Um, it, it really should have been Austin's first road win since 2021, uh, June 2021. But instead they, instead, they fell apart in the last – and it was a chaotic last 20 minutes. It really was. I guess for San Jose, a draw is a win? Um, because they, they did get some goals from Jer- Jeremy Abobasi on a PK and Cade Cowell, who's a pretty good young looking player. But um, yeah, it still keeps the qu- the quakes, the quakes, the earthquakes. It's, it might as well be, you know, oatmeal quakes. Um, it's, they're, they're the sole winless side in the West. It's not good. It's really not good. But Austin FC, really? Like, come on. Did you, you're yeah. starting to show us that maybe that, that those five, nothing wins to start the season were a little bit of a, you know, like not a real barometer of your success. Yeah. I mean, t- 10 goals in, in the games against inter Miami and Cincinnati to start the season. Uh, and, and then, then they played a really good game in a close loss against Portland in, in game number three. And, and since then it just hasn't looked great. Uh, so disappointed in Austin. I, I really think they have the talent to be a playoff team in the West and they played well in this game for 70 minutes. But again, like New England showed, uh, and they, they were even later again in that Real Salt Lake uh, loss a couple a couple weeks ago. Uh, when you have a, an epic collapse like that in the final 20 minutes of the game, that's a bad sign going forward. So I'm, uh, I'm a little worried about uh, Austin FC. Uh, see, I'm not worried about Sale Sounders. Uh, kind of, you know, a little bit under the radar, but looking good. Uh, 2-1 over Minnesota United. What are your thoughts? Another week, another MLS goal of the season. That marks like 14 already. Um, This time was provided by Joao Paulo, whose screamer from outside the box was set up nicely by Nicholas Ladero and Jordan the Bloat Morris. Seven points, ninth in the West. Uh, This team is playing well, but they they need to kick it up a notch to silence the doubters. And by that, I mean me, because I just, I don't don't believe in them yet. So um, as for Tim's down low pick to win the West, and yes, it changes every other week, Minnesota. Here's the hot take. Needs to avoid Seattle at all costs because if they make the playoffs and have to play them, no bueno because they have nine losses in 11 matches all time versus Seattle. That's not good. Yeah, and United, again, they're, they're my underrated team. I, I don't think I've officially picked them to, uh, to win the West yet. They're one of the few teams I haven't. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're young. They're building on things. Uh, we'll see how they do in the future. But, uh, yeah, against Seattle, they have to stay away from Seattle. And then they'll be good. Uh, again, you know, Mike, I'm not even going to touch this one. So go ahead and uh, 
enthrall us with your uh, recap of Vancouver Whitecaps 1, Sporting Kansas City 0. So hard to get excited about a one nothing game again, but I'll try. Uh, Kansas City's coach, Peter Vermees, maybe looking at one of the to- toughest coaching challenges in the league. Six points from six matches, sitting in 11th place, and last season's MVP candidate, uh, Daniel Saloy, has just one goal so far. This club is going nowhere fast. Are they the NYCFC of the West? <laughs> Too soon. I think they, Too soon. I, it is true, though. Anyway, the Whitecaps notched, uh, notched their first win of the season and saw the return of Brian White and Ryan Gauld to their starting 11. White and Gauld accounted for 18 goals in total last season. So I think with them back in the mix, hot take, Vancouver will not be the worst team in the West. That is going to be saved for someone else. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I, you know, The, the game was not uh, of interest to me, so I don't have any hot takes. Uh, last but not least... My original pick to win the West, who I've since uh, come off of and come back to and have now come off of again, Colorado Rapids won, Real Salt Lake won. Real Salt Lake struggled this game. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, when you're missing nine players because of injury or illness Mm -hmm. and you have to call up two guys from their lower division MLS next pro team, you know, where David Beckham's son plays, uh, I guess hot take got to be happy with the point uh, because otherwise you you were going to have to, you know, call out the hot dog guy to play. Uh, other than that, Colorado has not lost now in 19 home matches, the longest active streak in MLS. And still, yet, the Rapids let one slip away because, hot take, the teams with championship aspirations cannot do that. And I'm talking to you, the Colorado Cronkies. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what I don't I don't really know what to say, Tim. Other than that, um, you need to pick one team and stick with it because I can't keep track anymore. Yeah, that's all right. Neither can I. Uh, if you're going to say that about Colorado, though, can't you say the same thing about Real Salt Lake? That this is an incredibly impressive win or incredibly impressive. It was a moral win, an incredibly impressive draw, because without nine players from uh, from their active roster, they they stole a point against Colorado. I mean, I think yeah. that's uh, you got to give Real Salt Lake credit and, uh, and and think of them as one of the better teams in the MLS, which is perfect shad- shad- foreshadowing for what we're about to do now, Mike. Let's rank stuff. We've ranked uh, a bunch of stuff uh, this year on the MLS Soccer Show, um, but we haven't done our power ranking since, uh, I believe, before week one. So now that the first international break is over, let's uh, let's get to back to the power rankings, reset these rankings, and see where we're at uh, after, uh, what is it, five weeks here of uh, MLS play. Uh, go ahead, Mike, and start with your top five. All right, number five, I am on the bandwagon for now, um, and I've been slowly becoming a Jesus Ferreira stan. Uh, it's Dallas at number five. Never did I think I'd ever have them there, but we do. Number four, it's, again, the team that I, I, I also don't understand why, how they win, but it's NYRB or New York Red Bull, uh, the good team in New York. And then we get into the good teams, and I believe that there are, I believe that there are three elite teams in this league. Um, and I think they're in this order. I'm going to go with the LA Galaxy. If Chicharito plays this way, doesn't throw his hands up in the air like he just doesn't care, uh, according to Tim. Uh, I think he is going to win the golden boot. I mean, that's, you know, maybe that's a hot take. But I think they're at three. I think for now, I'm going to put LAFC at two. Um, even though I just said that I think that they could probably, there's only one or two teams that could probably beat them to win everything. That's because Philly is number one. They just look so good. Whether or not Jim Curtin ever coaches the men's national team is in a debate for another time that I 
hopefully we'll never see come to fruition. But Philly looks great. Uh, they're just they're a consistent team. LAFC has run a little hot and cold at times, especially Carlos Vela, and that's why I've got Philly at one for now. Um, it could change next week, especially if LAFC thrash the Galaxy. Man, that's going to be so much fun to watch El Trafico. Tim, El Trafico. where you at with your top five? All right, number five. Uh, this is the foreshadowing piece of it. Real Salt Lake. They're in second place in the West with 11 points. Again, you can't discount points or points. They have 11 of them. They're in second place. Uh, and they seem to find a way to get it done, whether it's coming back from a two-goal deficit against New England or stealing a point with nine guys out. So Real Salt Lake is number five. Number four for me is Nashville. And no, it's not just because I love Walker Zimmerman. Uh, it is because they have an amazing defense. They have a great system. They need a little tweak, a little more offense. They just need to figure that last piece out, how to do that on a more consistent basis. And then I think that would put them in, you're right, the elite top three, which I have the same elite top three as you, uh, just in a different order. Uh, I do have the Galaxy three like you do. Again, I'm not totally bought in on Chicharito. I'd like to see Douglas Costa uh, get healthy, play more consistently, uh, do some of the things he did uh, over for Bayern Munich and and other teams he played for in Europe. Um, Second, I have Philly. And first, I have LAFC. LAFC has just been the most impressive team to me. And uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, El Trafico will probably make either solidify this pick as the number one team or, you know, let me reconsider Philly or even the Galaxy as the number one team uh, right at this portion of the season, depending on how they play. But, uh, yeah, Carlos Vela and the crew has it rolling, so LAFC is my number one squad. That's fair. Not the not the Columbus crew, the LAFC crew. Yeah, and his crew, <laughs> not the crew. That's correct. Got to be careful of that on an MLS podcast. All right, Mike, uh, people said some things uh, before, after, during the games this week, and uh, you want to talk about one of them. Uh, this is a very inner Miami heavy show. I, I promise this will be the last one unless they uh, they do something uh, really unheard of and uh, and beat a team, any team. Yeah, uh, no. But your potent quotables for the week is what? Let's take a look at the board, and the categories are potent potables. I try to find funny ones, as you guys know. You listen to the show. This isn't funny. This is just kind of weird and very inter Miami. Yeah. So uh, Gonzalo Higuain says his father misunderstood him and insists he will be the one to reveal when he has decided to hang up his boots. Quote: It was a misunderstanding he had with me. I never told him I was retiring. He misspoke, and that can happen. But this is a this is very far from reality. I am focused on my club, on fulfilling my contract, which ends at the, the conclusion of this year. And when the time comes, if if that decision is made, I will be the one communicating it. Only me. End quote. But not really. End quote. Because then he continued to go on. Anyway, the former Napoli and Juve. I guess legend uh, continued. Obviously I'm close to that time in which I'll stop playing football, but that's only on my mind at the moment. What's on my mind. I'm confused. I'm confused. Uh, What's on my mind is fulfilling my contract. Again, he's saying this. And then I analyze how I feel and I will sit down with the club to make the best decision right now. I feel good. And I just wanted to clarify this. And when the time comes, it will be me that communicates my decision. Okay. I got two things to say about this one. If anybody hasn't seen it, go look at the video of Higuain missing. I don't know, 12 to 13 kicks before the match the other night from inside the box. I mean, shank left shank right shank apotamus over the shank over that over the post it was horrendous and then when he finally scored one the fans went wild my man your time has come you're done you're done you gotta be done you're you're, you're taking up a roster spot two your father said this whether he meant to say it or not 
I take it as gospel. This is 100% true because his father would not come out and say this about him, a son-father's relationship. He's not going to say it if it's not true. Probably wasn't the right time to say it, but it definitely is true. And I would not be surprised if he packs it in within the next two to three weeks. But regardless, his contract ends at the end of the year. The club will not pick it up. So, wow, holy dysfunction, Batman. Yeah, uh, and, you know, that's actually, you, you, I, I like Gonzalo Higuain. I don't know, you're right. I don't know if he's a great player. I mean, maybe we can debate this uh, when he finally yeah, does hang up the boots. Like, yeah, and what do you have, like 90, 98 goals or something for Napoli and, and the, the first time he was at Juve and they, they got to the Champions League final. I mean, he was a very consistent player. He played very, very well with Cristiano Ronaldo. Maybe he's hoping Ronaldo does come and they can link back up again at the top. I, I don't know. Maybe that is a very Beckham thing, though. You could see him being like, hey, hey, hey Gonzalo, stay. We're going to bring in Ronaldo. You know, bring in Paul Scholes and Ryan Giggs as well. Let's just bring the whole gang back. But anyway, yeah, it, it's it's really strange. Um, I just I don't know where you go with this team instead of like you, you just have to clean house with everybody. And I, yeah. why not do it now? Why wait till the end of the season when you're only five matches in it's not you're not out of the realm of making the playoffs but yeah is he just is Beckham too loyal to his buddy is he too loyal to guys that you know he believes are still or were superstars at one time I maybe yeah well so the answer is clear they have to pick up his option for next year and then make him an ambassador like Blaze Matuidi uh and pay him to not play I think that's uh that's a deal just that. that's, that's a good idea and then the other the other thing is uh, I'm with you uh dad's always know best whether it's Tom Brady's dad whether it's Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad whether it's Venus and Serena's dad or Will Smith as Venus and Serena's dad, uh, you know, those those are the guys you got to listen to. And so, uh, get your wife out. <laughs> I'm not that's right. It, but yeah, that's that's right. So, uh, yeah, I, I big up to uh, Mr. Iguain uh, Senior yeah. here for uh, for sharing his true thoughts. All right, before we wrap up, Mike, uh, you know, betting on football is fun. So we're going to go ahead yeah, it's for some people. Yeah. Uh, both of us had uh, a little bit of struggles this week. Uh, you brought your record to 11 and 12. Uh, mm-hmm. I stayed kind of even keel. I'm still at, uh, you are 12 and 11. I'm sorry. I am 11 and 12. So uh, pretty close. You're just over 500. I'm just under 500. Um, I'll go through the games we picked quickly. First of all, we're scrapping uh, both our picks of uh, the fire and Dallas game. Cause we both said, no Ariola, no Ferreira. Uh, then we didn't want to. We didn't feel comfortable picking that game. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, uh, you lost with San Jose and Vancouver uh, over Austin and Kansas City. Specifically, uh, you won with Atlanta over DC and Houston over Miami, and then uh, you took it on the chin with a Red Bulls New England draw and a NYCFC uh, over Toronto. Similarly, I also lost that NYCFC bet. Um, I did have LAFC over your Orlando team. I'm sorry about yeah. that. Uh, Also had Philadelphia over Charlotte, uh, lost out on the Austin draw, uh, lost out on the Portland Timbers, losing to LA Galaxy, but uh, picked up a W with the Houston Dynamo taking out Miami for a three and three record on the weekend to your two and four record. So uh, once again, seven games on the week. That's what we pick here on betting on football is fun. Give me your seven. Yeah, I'm I'm losing favor with a lot of these teams, and you're going to probably see me not pick certain teams ever again. Uh, yeah. And 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 I'm never going to take a draw, much like the great Ray Hudson, who uh, sticking with Inter Miami is their color commentary guy, uh, the magisterial one as they call him. Um, I'm never going to take a draw ever again. So we're going <laughs> to go with the Union, even though it's negative one ten over Columbus. We're going to go with Dallas because I love Dallas plus one ten over Colorado. The Crockies. We are going to take. Houston, because 
they're better than San Jose, it's, even though it's negative 125. We are going to take Real Salt Lake because Tim thinks that's going to be his next favorite team to win the West. Over Toronto, negative 125. Nashville Hot Chickens, how are they getting plus 245 over Kansas City? I'm so confused. That If that's still the line by the time you hear this, get it in. Uh, I'm going to take Portland. Don't feel great about this. Uh, at plus 180 over Vancouver, but I re- they do need to come back after losing last week to the Galaxy. And then... I was going to avoid this like the plague, Tim, but I'm going to I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to take LAFC at plus 165 over the Galaxy. That who that's going to be that's going to be th- that's going to be tough. I like it. That's uh those are some good picks. Uh some that I did not have the uh the stones to take here, but uh but I did go some other ways on different ones. Uh, first of all, again, I'm going to follow Inter Miami till they give me reason not to. You're getting plus odds with New England plus 125 over them. I'll take LAFC and El Trafico too. Again, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I said they're the best team in the league. I have them just come away with the W. Again, I like Dallas over Colorado plus 110. I think they get Areola and Ferreira and, and Velasco back together. That's all good. Chicago Fire, Mike, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm picking over uh, Orlando again as well. They're plus 250. I think uh, if they can figure out some, uh, some ways to score, then Gaga will do his part and keep Orlando out of the net. Uh, two minus ones now. Red Bulls minus 190 over Montreal. As exciting as Montreal is, I think the Red Bulls get right against them. And Seattle Sounders, the biggest favorite of the week, minus 250 over Cincinnati. You might have to parlay that to make it worth your while, but uh, it's worth it because Seattle Sounders are going to beat uh, Cincinnati, in my opinion. And finally, Portland plus 165 over the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, they don't have an identity currently, as we talked about before, but uh, they are a good team, and I see them uh, being better than Vancouver, so they get the win there. Those are our betting on football is fun picks for the week. Uh, Mike, tell them where they can see this on social media if you didn't have a chance to write that all down real fast while we were talking. Yes, you can either watch it on uh, Facebook at ML Soccer Show, or you can watch it over at YouTube, but then it's MLS soccer show you can also uh, tweet us and hit us up on instagram at ml soccer show just like uh on facebook so feel free to follow us give us a comment tell us what you like don't like if you prefer to listen and not watch you can do that on spotify and apple Podcasts. again mls soccer show the whole thing we like soccer so much we say it twice in the title thanks everyone talk to you soon thanks guys bye-bye